Inside your mind, there are better buddies. Hello, and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, it's Calvin. Hello. Our Better Buddies icebreaker is, what's a cool thing you have bought yourself recently? Uh, I like only buy food. I can't think of anything I've bought that's like a physical object recently. I mean, I was going to use the joke answer of, I bought some chocolate chip cookie dough. Because it's in the fridge. That's pretty and it's cool. solid. That's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, now I now yeah. I don't like it. Now <laughs> I don't like it. Um, I'm also gonna use the. I'm still gonna talk about the Daily Bugle Lego set. That's a like more realistic answer. Which yeah, that was fun, pretty cool. Fun story about that. I had it all like bagged up and boxed up. Brought it to my Uh-oh. new living place, and I had Uh-oh. one tote of Lego with me. I have two totes. I brought one of them with me. The small, the slightly less filled one. And I was like, ah, I think I'm going to rebuild the tower now that I'm in my new living place. And yeah. my brain promptly threw that idea out the window and dumped all the bags into the bin, looked up and went, shit. Because now they were all just in the bin and I'd have to sort through it again to find all the pieces. That's unfortunate. Yeah, like complete brain fart out the window moment of why did I do that? So yeah, those yeah, are my... I think- I think the only thing I buy really nowadays that's physical objects is like records. So I have, I actually have one here in front of me that I, I don't my, I just, I was in my turntable since I moved. I really got to get that. I've just never gotten around to setting it up. So it does me no good, but I have <laughs> some records and I, and I, uh, I think, was it last week or the week before? I think it was two weeks ago. Uh, I'm, for my recommend, I recommended the uh, Departure songs by We Lost the Sea. Yeah. I, right after that episode, I ordered the vinyl for it, and it's getting shipped from, like, Australia. I actually, oh. it hasn't, I don't know if it's shipped yet. I should probably check on that. Cool. It was expensive. I hope it's shipped, because it sounds like it was a pretty cool choice. Yeah, well... Oh, I had to buy a I had to buy a new locking mechanism for the glove box in my car. That's oh, pretty neat, right? That's pretty neat. It's, it's unusual. Because I opened it and then the handle just ripped off. And You're I was too like, strong. Oh. Apparently, so then my glove box was just sitting wide open. So I didn't know you could do this, but I got my dad to help me. You just take the glove box right out. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I don't I know mean, why I never thought of that. But it's like, yeah, I just don't have a glove box anymore. It's just like a big hole. In the, uh, I went to get like an oil change one time and was like, you know what? Yeah, I'll change the filter on my on like my air system. And they popped the glove box out, went in, took the air filter out, put a new one in, popped the glove box glove box back in. Oh, is that where the air filter is? I've never had to change an air filter. On my car, it was. Interesting. Cool. Our next segment. Better Buddies Recommend. We recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Uh, I'm going to start. 
before I give my real recommendation, I want to do one small one because I, I like half recommend this. Uh, Hitman's Bodyguard. I finally watched yeah. it. I yeah. enjoyed it, but I they needed to go back and check their sound mixing because the uh, there would be there would be a few times I noticed where like they would be talking kind of quietly and then the music would flare up with like. Mm-hmm. A vocals from a song and it'd be like okay I gotta turn that back down but now I can't hear him talking so I gotta turn it back up I don't recall that How? what format did you watch it on? Blu-ray oh I was gonna say if you streamed it somehow I wonder I was gonna say I wonder if there was just some error in the streaming but I would can't imagine they screwed up on the Blu-ray maybe they did and, well, but I don't know it's been a long time since I've seen it so you're I mean if you're probably right, but I just I don't remember that. Some TV shows have that too, though. We're like, yeah, I have noticed that occasionally. It it can be annoying. Yeah, but it was it was still pretty enjoyable. Yeah, um, I I oh sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was about to uh, change I was, topics. I was so. <laughs> I was just gonna say that I felt about the same way with the movie that it sounds like you felt. Like it was good, but it was it it that was like the that was kind of where I burned out on Ryan Reynolds and Ryan Reynolds just doing the Ryan Reynolds shtick in every film that he's been in since Deadpool. Yeah. And that's, that was kind of what pushed me over the edge of like, this was good, but it's like, he's doing the same shtick over and over and over again. It's like, it gets, it gets a little old. I did appreciate that Elodie Young was in it. Um, she was the Ryan Reynolds characters, like female interest. Um, but she also played yeah. Electra in the Daredevil Netflix show. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, my real recommendation, more serious, is 21 Bridges, the Chadwick Boseman film. Ooh. Oh, yeah, I, I recognize that name. What's it about? Um, the So Chadwick Boseman's character is a New York cop, a New York detective, okay. actually, who is... Uh, it opens with, like, a scene of his father's funeral. His father was killed. His father was a cop who was killed by criminals. His father stopped two of them, but the third killed him. And it transitions into, oh, years later, Chadwick's character is a detective himself in New York and is known for having a higher-than-usual discharge rate of his weapon. But a little trigger-happy. He's a little trigger-happy, but he's never without cause or like they've never found yeah. it to be without cause for doing so and throughout the film i will say that they do make it a point of like he never he's not guns blade he's not like a gun-toting maverick rambo kind of person he's very much a i'm doing this by the books i need to have cause to shoot yeah but he does tend to put himself in those positions that require him to yes because shoot. particularly because he does have a vendetta against cop killers yeah um and there's a uh meth burglary that goes wrong these two guys go into where like some was it matt no cocaine sorry there's cocaine burglary that goes wrong these two criminals go in steal some cocaine wind up killing like six or seven cops on the way out and they head in they are heading into New York onto Manhattan and Shadwick's Bozeman's character convinces like the DA, like, look, 
the best way we can catch these guys is if we close off the island and flood it with blue. Just flood it with police. They won't have anywhere to go. And so he's given until like 6am when they'll reopen the city. And it's like, so he's got like four hours. And so he's hunting down these uh, cop killers on Manhattan. And it's it's a crime drama, so I don't want to get too spoilery in terms of like how the story yeah. plays out. But it's very engaging. Um, it also features J.K. Simmons. Awesome. And I'm trying to think of... I don't... There's nobody else I, like, recognized, recognized. But all of the actors in it did very well. Yeah, I remember seeing commercials. That came out a couple years ago now, right? Yeah, it was, like, two years ago. Because it was nice. also directed by um, the directors of Avengers Endgame, uh, the Russo brothers. Oh, really? Yep. Uh, I, you know, I, I gotta go look it up now because you said it like two years ago, but that's what it kind of feels like too. I'm betting it's gonna be like five or six. Uh, I don't know. No, it was two years ago. Oh, there we go. Nineteen. I don't. I, I, I just didn't know if it got lost in the black hole of these past two years of where time means nothing anymore. Yeah, because I remember it was coming on the heels of Endgame. Like, Endgame came out, and then gotcha. it was like, oh, here's the next thing from the directors of Avengers Endgame. Ah, uh, see, I, th- I I just assumed it would have been the other way around. That I they would have say... done this before Endgame. Oh, yeah, no. Um, I, as much as it was he like, dated. oh, from the directors of Endgame, it did not feel like a superhero movie in terms of, like, cinematics. And, like, the way they yeah. shot it and the, did the cameras and stuff, so... Um, it didn't. It didn't do too well. Yeah. It only made just under fifty million. Made its budget back of thirty three, but which, honestly, like I'm not too surprised by, just because it's considering the political climate around that time and following and cops. Oh, that's a solid point. Like, yeah, because I'm looking at this and it's got like a fifty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Um, so I do wonder if that did play into it, which I think it was, I think it was a great movie. I, it was, I just, it, it was really enjoyable to watch the cinematic and like cameras angles were good. The scoring was really well done. Like it was there and heightening tension, but it wasn't like in your face. Mm-hmm. It, uh, the, you got actually a pretty good view too of the like criminal side of it in terms of like what the criminals were going through. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just like Chadwick Boseman's detective, like tracking them down and then getting in gunfights with them. It was like, Oh, let's see where the criminals are at and how they got to where they are and why, where they're going and why they're going there and what their plan is. Nice. So yeah, I really recommend that. I think it's also, real quick, a good example of the Russo brothers directing something, again, like, that isn't a superhero movie, because their last few movies have been superhero movies, and that influence was even seen, like, when they directed Community's final season. Um, Because in the final season of Community TV show, they stole the... um, They reused the Captain America Winter Soldier, like, elevator scene for their characters as a joke. (laughs) Um, yeah. So it was just very good proof of like, hey, they're not. They can direct other things, and still yeah. su- still be good. What are you thinking? That's cool. Uh, I'm actually pulling it 
up. It's on YouTube. I had to go into my history because I can't remember. There we go. Um, it popped up on my YouTube feed last night. I'd never heard of this guy before. Um, and I've only seen two of his videos, okay. but they were incredibly well done and very, very cool. And um, the YouTube channel is called Listening In. Um, he's only got like 120,000 subscribers, so he's not super big. Um, and it looks like he pretty much does video essays about the music of movies. Oh. And like, it. well, it seems like music in general, just looking through some of these, no, primarily movie, primarily movie music. And he did a three-part series on Howard Shore and The Lord of the Rings. Okay. And it's, it's so cool. Like, obviously, all of this musical theory stuff, I knew it existed, having been in, like, band and playing music. Like, I was never into, like, the theory stuff. Like, I was just like, yeah, it's fun. I like to play music. Um, but, like, it's so, in it's so crazy watching someone who actually knows, like, what they're talking about and is, like, really into the deeper meaning of music and all this stuff break down like a film score um i haven't actually i, I started watching it backwards because it was the the final one in the three-part thing they're, they're like individual he just kind of like put out these three and he's um that are all sub they're all howard shore and lord of the rings but they're different um so i kind of watched it backwards uh so he did um, one on how Howard Shore uses voices. That's the one I haven't seen. Um, he did one on building tension and one that's just called How Howard Shore Makes Us Care. And the Howard Shore Makes Us Care one is the first one I saw. And uh, I might recommend um, for other people to watch them in order because I think it'll be a good... Because that see, it, it, I think that would be an awesome conclusion to each of them. Um, they're about 12 minutes long, each video. Uh, but if you're only going to watch one of them, watch the How Howard Shore Makes Us Care. It's, like, super emotional, just even, like... Oh. It, it helps that I really love Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So I already have that tie to the films and the music and all this stuff. But it's just really well edited. The guy's voice, he's very soft-spoken and has a great voice as he's like talking through this. And he, his video editing is awesome. He does clips of like, he's running clips of the film the entire time. And then he's like, and then he'll play the music as he's talking about it and pop up little, um, bits of like an overlay of the notes and have a marker that kind of moves along with the music to point out what he's talking about. So, and it, it does help if you can read a little bit of music or at least understand what a musical, like how notes work and some of that, like even the basics to kind of understand it. So um, obviously the more musical knowledge, you know, the more you'll get from it. Yeah. But I think even with just the, barest minimum of understanding of music you'll pull something from it and i don't know it's just it was super cool to see how 
much thought and effort gets put into like a film score for like something like the Lord of the Rings with this big epic score. Because yeah. um, for like the, I know for the build tension one, he digs into um, the Rohan theme for the, the like the theme that is like tied to the kingdom of Rohan and then the theme that's kind of like tied to the kingdom of Gondor. And he talks about how like when we first are encountered with Rohan, I guess spoilers for Lord of the Rings, uh, it's 20 years old at this point for the movies and longer for the books. So yeah, kind of on you at this point. Uh, but uh, at the beginning, when we first meet Rohan, uh, the uh, Theoden is under the control of Saruman, and the kingdom's kind of dwindling, and it's supposed to be kind, and it's kind of this sad. Well, not like sad, but it's like this somber, like more slow, like kind of um, music, like to this theme. And then he talks about how, as like even as Theoden like comes back, it like picks up for a moment, but then like it's still falling apart and like but then like during the battle of helms deep you have these more heroic stuff but like there's still struggle and it's not fully there and then it talks about how gondor is languishing under a poor steward so this theme is all discordance and then when like rohan shows up and it talks about like these blendings of the how their two themes eventually blend and it signifies the uh reconnection of these two kingdoms and the kingdom of man finally coming back together but gondor's theme hasn't doesn't fully complete until aragorn is crowned king and it's like man i this is intense and it's super cool oh man that i'm gonna have to watch these uh do you know what other movies he's covered yeah, I just pulled up his page. It doesn't look like he has a ton. He's rel um like two years ago or his earliest stuff. But just glancing at it, it looks like he did um, music of 2001 A Space Odyssey, um, The Genius of John Williams, uh, Joker's music. Then there's the three-part Howard Shore, uh, Interstellar, Hans Zimmer. Um there's and then there's like interspace throughout all of these are like i said some other just more music it looks like general like the um like theory-esque stuff because it's like how van gogh painted symphonies in color which actually sounds interesting i'll probably hmm. watch that um and then like uh how music it makes et fly uh man that I, oh, there's one here about Toy Story. It says, why when she loved me makes me cry. I don't know what that's in uh, That's to. I, I from assume... Toy Story 2, a flashback to the Jesse, the female cowboy's, like, backstory gotcha. on ha her previous owner. Gotcha. Okay, so, yeah, there's that. And then it looks like there's a new Lord of the Rings one that's called The Music of the Monsters of Lord of the Rings. That I don't know about. I um The one that I'm recommending mainly is that three-part How Howard Shore and then it uses voices, builds tension, makes us care. Um, like I said, if you're only going to watch one, do the makes us care. Uh, but even without seeing the uses voices, I would recommend watching all three. Man, I, I'm definitely watching this because it sounds so interesting to me. I was just really trying not to be immediately jump on it, but I'm going to get to it anyways. If he'd done mm -hmm. any Marvel or Alan no, Silvestri in general. 
I'm not seeing any Marvel. He doesn't have a ton. That's okay. Um, it still Jurassic Park. Amazing. He's got a Jurassic Park one. Ooh. Um, oh, he's got one on 1917. I am watching that. The soundtrack for 1917 is awesome. Also is a it? great film. Yeah. Ooh. I'm, I'd be really curious to listen. Like, I want to listen to his John Williams thing because mm-hmm. the two, like, for whatever reason in my head, the only other, like, movie um, musician, I guess, the only other uh, film scorer that even comes close is Alan Silvestri. But to be fair, that's also because he Alan Silvestri did Chariots of Fire, Back to the Future, and the Marvel movies. Uh, it looks like the John Williams one is specifically for Star Wars. It says Star Wars, the genius of John Williams. Excellent. I, I was gonna be okay if it was like John Williams in general. Yeah. <laughs> but we well, I mean, I Wars. mean, there's the other one. There's the other one on Jurassic Park, and mm-hmm. then uh, the did he do ET? I just kind of assume John it's Williams, Spielberg. I'm... If it's Spielberg, I assume it's John Williams. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember we. Yeah, I think he did ET. I think. Or is that Sylvester? I can't remember now. Um, Google it. But E.T. I'd be I'd be really curious to get this guy's thoughts on the Superman theme that John Williams did. Because John Williams did E.T. It's um oh nice there we go. The whole like dun da 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 da, da of Superman is it's Superman and mm. iconic, so awesome. Well. And, Part of the reason I kind of I really wanted this guy to have done Marvel is I heard an internet rumor that in an Endgame when they're in the final scene and the music for that when they're fighting Thanos is like their stings particularly when they're like losing in the initially of like they've got the Avengers theme going but there's Thor Iron Man and Cap each have their own musical themes that are interlaced into it but I don't know enough to like listen to it and catch them. Yeah, no, I would, I would assume there is all of the stuff that I've been missing, and well, that's the thing with music too is, you, you miss it when you think about it, but I guarantee in the moment you're feeling the emotions oh, that yeah. it's per, like that it's supposed to be portraying and like making you feel, which I think is fascinating that you could be both oblivious and yet still like receiving the effect of something. Well, with Star Wars, I know, I think, I remember hearing, like, the uh, Emperor's March, like the dun, 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 they did that, that's in a minor key, they did it in a major key in the prequel trilogy, so you don't recognize it, but it's still there as, like, the Republic, and, like, this yeah. kind of, like, foreshadowing of this is what's happening. Yeah, then in the, in, the, in the Howard Shore videos, he talks a lot about how they're in, like, major and minor keys, or, and it's like, oh, finally it's in C major, and I'm like, yeah, I kind of understand what you're talking about, but helpfully, helpfully, and this is where I say you don't really need to know a ton about music theory, because even though he'll talk about, like, all oh, these chords, and then, then they're in, like, a C major, and it's like, even if you don't understand that, he'll play the music so you can hear what he's talking about even if you don't necessarily understand like he won't play all of it but he'll play like snippets so you as can he talks about a part like... so you can like he'll be like and then the horns come in and do this and then like he'll play a short two five second segment where they come in and it demonstrate what he's talking about so it's very helpful so that you can actually 
feel it. And like I said, his video editing is amazing. And what was this called again? Uh, his channel is called Listening In. Uh, well, before we get to our next segment, uh, there's a local news story, and that's a local. A news general news story that uh, you wanted to talk about tonight. Yeah, okay, I was confused there, because you said local, and I was like, oh, well, that's not what I messaged I mean, you about. local stations are covering it. There. No, I just, I just felt like we would be doing an injustice if we didn't at least mention um, the basically second fall of Saigon that's happening. Yeah. Because uh, this, is, this is the fall of Saigon of our lifetime. Uh, so people that are out of the loop, uh, the U.S. finally backed out of Afghanistan. I believe I mentioned it, actually, in another podcast yeah. about how they just, like, Oh, is disappeared that in the middle of they disappeared in the middle of the night and didn't tell any of the Afghanis. Ooh. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's what led to this. It didn't happen that night. This has all happened basically over this past weekend. Um, but from the moment the U.S. pulled out of Bagram Air Base, um, the Taliban has slow. Well, not that slowly. Uh, they started taking over cities and provinces that they had lost control of over the 20 years that the u.s had been there um and they like i I remember reading a news article like last week it was like the taliban captured a major city like they they just captured a major city on the borders of afghanistan like oh no this could be a turning point um by the weekend they had the country yeah it was done they had taken kabul uh, the Afghani president fled the country and yeah, so did like everyone in the government report supposedly taking cars and helicopters and planes full of cash and money because the government was just horribly corrupt, um, which is part of the problem <laughs> yeah. because the U.S. was like banking on the idea that the Afghan military was going to be able to hold off the Taliban. Um, they didn't. They fell apart, mostly surrendering without firing a shot and just like being like, yeah, well, I'm done. Uh, because the U.S. left. Yeah. And the major issue with Afghanistan is that they don't have a national identity. Really? They're, they're typically, yeah, no, um, they're typically more tied, their identity is typically more tied to their um, local tribes and cities as opposed to a national Afghan identity. Hmm. So I guess it'd be more similar to in the United States if we were tied to whatever state we lived in and we we're like, yeah, who cares about the U.S.? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find my state and it's like about my state, but who cares about the U.S.? Smaller scales, but... Basically, that was the idea with that. From what I've been reading, that was the major problem that had to be overcome in establishing an Afghan military. And that's just not something you can do in even 20 years, hardly. Yeah. Well, and especially, I'd imagine, knowing very little about the situation, to preface my next sentence, I imagine with that lack of national sen- identity in uh, the local tribes or cities would probably like, all right. We're, as long as we kind of get to keep doing our thing, we don't really care who's in charge. So we are not going to yeah. necessarily, like, risk the lives of our local citizens over this. 
Yeah, and like the Taliban is like so brutal that the, it's like people are it's like why why even fight because you don't care if you like you're saying you care more about your people basically and if it's like well i'm just not gonna fight you can do what you want to those guys i'm not gonna fight you if that means you're not gonna attack if work will be fine yeah. so why put up any sort of resistance and it's like yeah so it's it's a no win it was always a no-win scenario for the uh, afghan people um this... No, it's it's such a complicated like i'm sorry uh i just want to finish my thought real yeah. quick <laughs> um it's just such a complicated situation i it's like it it brings in the whole like sh we probably shouldn't have been there in the first place i mean this is like the what fourth invasion of a foreign power in afghanistan that's ended in them be having to retreat um nobody takes afghanistan nobody um <laughs> So it's because Alexander the Great failed, the 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 Britons failed twice in like the 1800s, the Russians failed, now we've failed. It's like, no, it's, nobody is, can take Afghanistan. Um, but yeah, and it's like, I feel a little bit for Biden because it's like, he, if you watch his speech that he did to the um, his address, um, I do think he definitely like he 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 referenced in his speech that um, at the end of the day the buck stops with him, um, but then he blames the Afghan people or oh. the military. He was like the buck stops with me, but it's their fault. Um, well, <laughs> so it's like well, which is it? <laughs> yeah, I mean politicians. Um, but it's like, what was he supposed to do? Trump had a group made a, 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 a deal with the Taliban that to pull the U.S. by April. And then when Biden came in, he's like, yeah, that's not happening. We just like physically, well, logistically, we cannot get out by April. We're, we're out by August. And he did it. Yeah. Like people, people have been saying we need to get out of there for years. Now, to be fair, I think he did kind of throw him to the wolves. Um, yeah. But it's like, I mean, there were, there is this is such a messy situation and it really is a new vietnam a new fall of saigon see and that's the mess the people saying we've been wanting we should get out of there for years that's what i was going to come to was it brings to my mind the question again of is america a global police force i know yep. a lot of people say america shouldn't be intervening as much as it does it shouldn't be imposing its values on as many countries as it does but when we do back out, this happens. And when we, like, not necessarily that all of America, not trying to say all of America's intervention has been good, positive, yay, let's keep going. Clearly it yeah, hasn't. No. There are plenty of examples. I get what you're saying, though, yeah. But what, like, and it also brings to my mind the question again of how do we determine what human rights are of like how it, it, we're trying in a world that is trying to become more at least a western world that is trying to become more aware of cultural difference cultural identity where do we draw the line of it going from culture to human rights violation like yeah no i see what you're getting at yeah. um i think I know in afghanistan I stand, like i know where yeah i stand but 
In reference to the larger argument of whether or not America should be a global police force, I would agree with, I would tend to agree with some of those points you're making. Um, when it comes to Afghanistan, I would say that the Taliban are just violating human rights um, because uh, it's like, I don't, again, it's like, like you're saying cultural, but I feel like that's just an excuse sometimes. And in the term, in the times when it comes to the Taliban, they're, it is just an excuse for them to take power because it's like it's like and also even if your argument is cultural and you're just like oh but it's cultural it's like then fine screw that culture I, I i don't care about a culture that chooses to oppress women and say that you are nothing and like can't have a life and have to like just yeah. and be uh, like do everything for uh men and like are just like so strict and oppressive and will like cut off people's heads it's like i understand accepting other people's culture like you were saying and that and culture and in uh stuff like that define what you'd see as rights but i think that crosses the line yeah <laughs> for me at least same and so it's like that's that's the hard part when it comes to this and it's like and now everybody, everybody in the world has turned on Biden and is like blaming him. And I, and like you said, the buck stops with him. And I do think there is a lot of blame here because it's like, how could you not see this coming? Yeah. Because like, he claimed that they, they this all happened faster than they expected. And I could kind of understand that. But also you but expected it. This was, this was like a known thing. This was, we've been, we, knew, we knew this was going to happen for 20 years. Once yeah. we left, that things were going to be bad. And they were worse than we thought. Uh, and it's just heartbreaking. Have you seen any of the photos from the, the airport? I've seen some of the photos from the airport and some of the, like, pictures of, like, people crammed into air, uh, I think, Air Force planes. Like, yeah, just, yeah, like, it standing is. room only. Yeah, the, I was re I I was seeing some pictures and it was like this plane will hold three hundred uh, like two hundred uh, U.S. soldiers. Here it is holding six hundred Afghan refugees. Yeah, and it's like insane. And the just horribly, horribly tragic thing is, um, well, some of those videos too. And someone pointed this out. It's it's like a str it's straight out of a scene from like World War Z, from like the plane taking off and people literally on the runway throwing themselves at this plane to the point that there is video and I, and I do not recommend looking it up, but I have seen it of people that clung to the outside of the plane and then the plane takes off and they fall yeah. from like a thousand feet up, which, and there are multiple people who have died from that. And it's like, that's how bad it is that they would rather take their chance of clinging to the outside of a plane then stay where they are yikes like i it's hard to find words for that kind of thing and yeah to think about that and go as comfortable as we are here in america or in the west canada uk wherever you are yeah just because we're comfortable now we're not immune from that kind of thing like it's not happening tomorrow, I don't think. I don't think it might even ha ever happen in the next 50 years. But someday, if we don't pay attention, it could wind up like that. 
Yeah, but I, I know what you're saying, and I'm not saying that this is what you're saying. Um, yeah. But I do think, or like trying to, def you're, that you're trying to deflect or whatever. But I do think the point should more, we should definitely focus on the whole like, this is happening now and we need, and we should be doing oh, yeah. probably something. And it sounds like, thankfully, they are expediting a lot of the help for the Afghans that help the U.S. troops because they have a death sentence if oh, they stay. Oh, for sure. Get and those people out. Other, other nations are, it sounds like, opening borders to help people that are fleeing, which is great, and I hope that continues. And it's, and, and to be optimistic, I don't, we, I mean, it cautiously, it, you can't really trust them, but supposedly the Taliban has claimed they will not stop anyone from going to the airport. They're not going to harass them. They've told their, their like troops, I don't, like, I don't know how their breakdown is, but yeah. like the Taliban has told people like, you have to respect private property. You're not allowed to go into private property and all this stuff. And you can't just loot people's houses. So uh, there's no reason to trust the Taliban. <laughs> but they're at least and there's like already reports and there's and there's already reports of stuff like of of Taliban checkpoints of harassing people trying to get to the airport. Um, but fingers crossed, because it does kind of make sense that. It's just it's just going to be easier for them if they can get everybody that doesn't agree with them out. Yeah. Like it would just make sense for it's like, all right, just get everybody leave. that's going to be a problem for you and like push back against your regime to let them leave. They're trying to leave. <laughs> and it look makes you look a little bit better when you on the uh, global scale when you just took over a yes. country to be like, "Oh, we're definitely not killing people who disagree and, with us." And and they're looking for international uh, recognition as the governing body of the country because that's the other dangerous thing. This obviously takes precedent, helping these refugees and all this stuff. But part of this crisis that should not be forgotten or should not be go unnoticed is that Russia and China immediately stepped up and were like, all right, Taliban, we're... Uh, we're ready to recognize you mm. as a nation. Mm, I don't like that. Like they haven't, they haven't outright said it yet, to my knowledge. But that's that's what it looks like they're gonna do, and it makes sense to them because Afghanistan is filled with rare earth metals, oh. and rare earth metals are what you need to make technology. And China already has a ridiculous amount of control over a lot of them. Man. So they want, like, the Taliban is sitting on billions or trillions even of money in the, these metals beneath the, the ground in Afghanistan. And if China and Russia can get in there and get a foothold, they're going to have, yeah, it, they're going to have a strong power with, uh, when it comes to rare earth metals. And it, it's just, the whole situation is just, like, insane. And it's like, come on. The world was already crazy enough. We really had to throw this into it. Yeah. Like, I get, I, I, under, I don't understand global politics, but I understand. N neither do I. I do want to, I do want to say that everything that I've been saying, I've just gotten from reading news articles. So I could be horribly wrong on anything. I just want to preface that. Yeah. 
Um, that being said, China and Russia kind of look like movie villains right now. Of, like, their... Everything I know about their countries and their intentions and their actions on the planet are kind of shouting and or screaming, like, hey, we really want to take over globally and we'll do anything we want to get there and we're going to steamroller over you because we're not... We'll, we want it, so we're going to take it. And be they, fair, though. They would like, argue that's what we did. Which, you know what? They're not wrong entirely. They're not entirely no. wrong. <laughs> They're, They're not. not entirely wrong. But... We at least pretended to play ball a little bit better with the people we were friends with, and I don't feel like... we abandoned them. Uh, I mean, we didn't really abandon Britain, but... Yeah. I... I... <laughs> I don't think necessarily Russia and China are that great of friends compared to, like, the EU all being friends, or, like, America and Britain being friends, you know? Yeah. Like... I don't know. It, it, in my mind, it's the, like, oh, the, the villains of all these individual heroes have teamed up, but you know they're going to fall into infighting at some point. Uh, not until we're gone. Fair. <laughs> not until the common enemy is destroyed. But yeah, that's kind of all I really had to say. We can keep going, but I didn't want to derail. I don't want to... We've taken up a bit of the podcast here, but I just felt like it was worth mentioning. And everyone that's listening should definitely be... Look into the situation, read into the situation, and definitely be aware of this. Because those photos of people cramming into airplanes, crawling on top of them, falling from the sky after being knocked off of them that those images are going to last like the like cuz you've seen that i assume yeah, you've seen the I've picture seen of the last helicopter out of Saigon. Yeah. It's it's this. I actually saw and a comparison these, it, picture of last helicopter out of Saigon yeah. with another like building that was airlifting people. Yeah. People yeah, because it's it's the same thing and this is going to have ramifications on us more i mean obviously more so on the refugees that are having to flee for their lives well and that's an uh, instance where like but, i'm i generally have leaned towards at least not necessarily like closed border but like at least not even necessarily strict borders but just at least like having some idea of who's coming across and where they're going and that kind of stuff and this is an instance where i'm like open that door Let's yeah, this is out. like, all right, maybe we relax it for a little bit, keep track of everyone, but get them out first, yeah. and then sort through it. <laughs> uh, I, I'm i trying not to sound too calloused about this. Economic hardship, it's tough, I get it. You made a long journey to get to America. Okay, can you, like, wait another... I, it's not an easy process. I don't understand that. Like, I'm not going to claim to understand the difficulty of that. But we have a process. This is a little more immediate. Yeah, it, it, Does that make sense? Yeah. No, yeah. I think our process is a little broken, oh, but yeah. I see what you're saying. I, I do agree with what you're saying, and I think we're both coming down on the same point of, like, let's just kind of get them out of there. <laughs> yep. So, uh... Yeah, so... Like, learn about this, folks. This is going to be in the history books. It's, it's important. Because, I mean, the, the, the saying, if those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it, I mean, like well, I just said, five nations, superpowers of the time, have failed to learn 
Because of the the lesson of Afghanistan. Well, I saw something. I saw another post similar to that of like the Taliban are back in Afghanistan, and this thing is the same as it used to be, and this thing is the same as it used to be. I think it was like two thousand three or something. Mm-hmm. Or it was like, oh look, we're back to this year. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Uh, sorry, I got I yeah. had another point. Uh, is like I've been seeing a lot of stuff that I I just can't even imagine what it must be for the veterans who, like are still suffering with like missing limbs and PTSD, PTSD and lost friends and family seemingly for nothing. Yep. That's gotta be horrible. Yeah. Let's uh let's move on to our last segment for the night, just to end on a slightly Ugh. slightly yeah, higher sorry, note. Brought, it, brought, the, brought the mood down there a bit. <laughs> But you know, we gotta bring, we gotta have some lows so we can have highs. Yeah. Our next segment, how to be a better buddy, where we give some real and some comedic advice. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the first question this week. Of a a girl tells you, I've been looking for my knight in shining armor for a long time. What would you reply? You're in the wrong era. <laughs> nice. Go back to the Middle Ages. Uh. I think I'd probably look around the room and say, I don't see one either. Yeah, just be like, well, that's unfortunate. And then just walk away. Uh, if, yeah, if, no, I feel like... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, if it's a girl that you find attractive, say, I left my armor at home. That's like... No, I... I that's like one of those like ridiculously cheesy ones, oh, yeah. which are, if the girl likes you, then it'll work. Otherwise, yeah, it's, 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 you're not going to get anywhere yeah. with that. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, yeah, and frankly, my dude, like, question asker, how often does this actually happen? It doesn't. No, no girl is going to actually... The odds of a girl walking up to a guy and being like, I've been looking in my night, for my night in Shining Hour for a long time. What kind of opening is that? Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> Not happening. Uh, next question. What is attractive about an independent woman? With the further details, I'm a woman, and I often hear that men are attracted to women who, quote-unquote, have their own. I'm wondering what is attractive about this. Is it that she is independent slash resourceful enough to care for herself? Is it nice to know that you, as her man, do not have to provide these things for her? Something else altogether. Would a woman who is independent be intimidating slash make you feel unneeded, or would you instead find this independence very attractive? Curious about your answers. Smiley face. I feel like it could go both ways, depending on the level of independence and depending on the dude, because I could definitely see someone wanting someone that's independent, but not so much so because they like having that ability to help someone and care for someone. There's someone, people that are looking for that because that's just in their nature to like help care for a person. Um, and then there's people that really want someone that's super independent, but that could also be intimidating because it's like, man, they got it all together. I got nothing. I just like, yeah, I think part of I that too even... <laughs> is there's independent and then there's you don't like you don't want a man or a partner. Like, that's true. It's one thing to be independent, it's another to be so independent you don't... Even though, even if you might be looking for someone, 
to make it seem like you're so closed off to the idea because you don't need no man. If that makes sense. Um, and frankly, I mean, there, there are the rare cases where, like, someone really does want to just care for someone all the time, but most guys, I think it's like, okay, I'm not looking for a kid. I'm looking for a that's partner. True. That's true, and that's usually not a great basis for a relationship. Yeah. I think, at least. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think someone being able to, like, just have their stuff together, and it's not so much the whole, like, I'm able to take care of myself, because, to be honest, I feel like that's kind of a base level for me. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like if you're a functioning adult and in modern society you should at least be able to take care of yourself yeah. um to an extent i can understand some things that are just out of your control but to an extent you should kind of be able to take care of yourself that's like the bare minimum uh, but people that are like super independent and resourceful and like yeah i would say that is like attractive i mean i feel like it's kind of objectively attractive and regardless of like the gender because yeah. it's just like there's some like dudes that it's like man that is awesome like how <laughs> like together you have your crap and it's just like i'm not attracted to you romantically or sexually but it's like but i admire that's it. cool i admire it and i'm jealous of your life so i think independence is just attractive all around i think part of it too is you want the person to be independent but to trust you that enough that they can lean on that they'll lean they're willing to lean on you you know like they're willing to yeah. drop that a little bit and when they need it be dependent on you until they can step back up onto their own two feet and yeah, i guess they that'd trust be the you to hold them yeah i guess that'd be the fear of someone who's too independent is that they're going to leave you behind and not need you because like we said that it's it's not great to have someone that you have to like take care of but it is good to be needed sometimes and know that you can be there like you were saying and if they're that independent how much are you willing to trust that, that when you you need to depend on someone that they're willing to be dependent on and not yeah. expect you to be independent about it yeah if that makes any sense our next question why do people believe exercising, i.e. weightlifting, increases confidence slash self-esteem? With the further details, the fact that no one, quote-unquote, exudes confidence... Oh, sorry. The fact that one, quote-unquote, exudes confidence much more than before is a comment that I come across a lot. Uh, well, it's proven, isn't it, that exercising just increases your, like, um, mental state, right? It can help keep you out of, like depression and just make you feel better i'm yep. pretty sure that's like proven yeah, what is it, like studies this... on it yeah so it's like the serotonin or whatever you get from like moving around and working out just kind of makes you feel better and confidence is definitely all about faking it and if you just feel good about yourself you will exude that confidence and typically exercising weightlifting you're dropping weight, you're toning your body. So no matter what level, like if it, 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 even if it's like a couple pounds, if you think it makes you look better and you act like it, I feel like people can see that. Yeah. Um, I think another thing too is comfort. 
that it, mm-hmm. even if even if you don't exercise as much, like if you're comfortable with your body, people notice that. So yeah. if you're uncomfortable with your weight or how athletic you are or whatever, it kind of it's like an underlying current compared to people who whatever their weight are, they're comfortable with who they are, they're comfortable with their body. They you it, they just are more natural, I almost want to say. And so like if you combine the two things, if you combine the serotonin from running and you're making your body into what you want it to be or more closer to what you feel like you're going to feel better about yourself. You're going to be more confident about any other things. And it's a sense of accomplishment. Like, yeah, you're keeping up that routine. You're keeping to your schedule. Yeah. It's, it, it does just make, yeah. Cause I definitely noticed when I started working out this summer, uh, this is like the longest I've held. I've dropped it a little bit here and there, but this is the longest I've held like a semi routine of working out. And compared to the last couple years where I just like was a couch potato, it's like, yeah, I just feel better about myself. That's awesome. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Um, and like, even if you do fall off for a couple weeks, like right now, because of some life situation, I just, I didn't do my workouts last week. I'm not going to get them in this week. I'm probably not going to get them Mm. in next week, but I'm going to get back to them as just as soon as I possibly can, because I feel better when I do them and I don't notice my knees aching as much when I do them as I did today. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's just a thing. It happens. It it's real. Our yep. last question this week. Uh, I'm gonna go with our last question this week being: Men, how would you feel about dating a girl with unnatural colored slash dyed hair? With the further details, I saw a thread from a few years ago on this, with an overwhelming majority of responses being negative to the idea. But I was curious to see if the general opinion has changed. Edit. I should clarify, by unnatural colors, I mean unorthodox reds, pinks, blues, purples, pastels, etc. Not dyed blonde. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it, I think it would really depend on the person. It would depend on their whole look, how the, the hair looks on them yeah. and the color and stuff. I mean, I've definitely seen some people with like the blues and reds and colors and stuff that it, I think it looks attractive on. Um, oh, one of the go-tos that I typically find attractive is when people dye their hair like silver. Oh. I don't know what it is about that. That, I think, if the person can pull it off, tends to be pretty attractive. I think I think it's more acceptable these days than it used to be. Uh, it's more common. And I think part of it is our... It goes back to like the accoutrement thing, or like the, the monocle or the pipe or whatever. Are you someone who... Are you a person with dyed hair, or are you just someone who lives like this, you know? Um, or, like, are, are you using it because you... That's your style, that's your look, and that's how you, that's how you live? Or is it, are you using it because you want attention? Or mm-hmm. to make up for... To make it seem like you're more interesting? Um, because, yeah. like... I'm good with dyed hair. Um... So yeah, yeah, no, I think it I think it kind of goes back to that whole confidence thing. If you can if you can like 
pull it off and are confident with it and then i that for one typically helps um but yeah. yeah i don't know that i would have a kind of blanket like if you have this color hair no if you have this color hair like always yes it's like yeah i don't know i guess it would uh they would really just depend on the person yeah so i, th I think overall more acceptable but uh yeah. be aware of your environment your surroundings and who you are as a person and who they are as a person yeah well that's it for another episode calvin thanks for joining this is yeah. this is a good chat i think we i think we went up and down we hit we hit the highs we hit the lows we were well informed and hopefully we all learned something today yep uh thank you to the band problem of interest for letting us use the song living in the moment off the album cross off yesterday you can find them on itunes and spotify we're on itunes spotify and wherever you get your podcasts please like review download subscribe whatever you have to do in order to get us in your inbox weekly on fridays uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Facebook, Better Buddies, where we post the icebreakers and the episode links, and Meme Mondays, where we post a friendly meme at the beginning of the week to get you started. We also have a Twitter account, at Better uh, Budcast. Use the hashtag Better Buddies when you tweet about the show. And our Gmail, betterbuddiescast at gmail.com. If you want to send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love, and or war, uh, questions you need advice on or icebreakers you want us to answer and last but not least be a better buddy I used I used one of the uh, icebreakers from the podcast as an icebreaker today yeah yeah I used Which the one? belly button one ugh Horrifying. Oh, come on. It went over great. They loved it. Everybody loved that question. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They got into it. They got real into, the... like... Um, there was one guy who... His his first thought was kill switch. That That'd it would, be so dangerous. Yeah, it would just kill random people. Every oh, time you other people. It. I thought you. Yeah, no. He was going for more every time you pushed it. It killed a random person. There you was get, one... like, a million bucks? Because otherwise you're just a psychopathic murderer. <laughs> Um, yeah. There was one person who did the money route. Another guy who was like, oh, you push it and you get pancakes. And then... There you go. Vending machine. One also person good. turned into a car. Transformer. Also yep. good. 